today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome back to the Peers to Peers podcast powered by Shopify. What do Michelle Obama, Nicole Kidman, and Serena Williams all have in common? Aside from being powerful and talented women, they've also all been spotted in chiffon code jewellery. At just 23 years old, today's guest, Shilpa Yalagarda, is the founder of US-based jewellery company Chiffon Co. and its non-profit arm, Startup Girl Foundation, an organization providing capital and mentorship to female entrepreneurs. In today's truly inspiring episode, Shilpa shares how her pinky rings are providing mentorship and startup capital to young women, why her experience as a woman of color in the white, male-dominated space of Silicon Valley shaped her journey, and why we should all be supporting each other to spiral upwards. For those of you who haven't yet, Make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, welcome Shilpa. Shilpa. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the awesome work you're doing in business and in the fine jewelry space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Amazing. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I'm, I'm Shilpa Yarlagada. I'm currently actually still a student at school, almost done though. Um, And after my freshman year in college, I launched a fine jewelry company, Chiffon Co. We, I'm wearing two of them right now, but we make these adjustable pinky rings that really represent a pinky promise to pay it forward to support women. And through 50% of the profits, we're funding seed grants for female founders and for companies that empower women. And for so long, it was really just this one product that we had. And I think in the jewelry space, there's just so many companies, so many products. But for me, 
what really inspired me to want to be in this space was I grew up in Silicon Valley, where I just really never saw that many female founders, that many investors who were women. And that inequity just really stuck with me when I was in college. And that's when I kind of realized that, you know, the fine jewelry space, much like these other industries, was also very male dominated. But the profits and margins in the industry could really be used to uplift women. So we really designed this ring as a pinky promise to pay it forward to support women because we noticed at the time less than 2.2% of venture capital funding was even going to female founders. And unfortunately, that statistic has pretty much stayed the same as of this last year too. Oh my goodness, Shilpa. It's so interesting what you do. And I love the backstory to it and your ethos and the fact that female founders are really at the forefront of what you do. It's something that we're also really passionate about here at the Peers Project. I'm personally very passionate about. So I can't wait to dive deeper into your business and how you formulated that. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, so so my mom's a doctor. She's an internal medicine doctor. My dad was an engineer. And I mean, of course, it really impacted my life because, you know, they came to America as immigrants and really wanted, you know, to see us have the opportunity to do whatever we wanted. And I think at the core of that is really entrepreneurship. You know, I saw my parents, you know, I think in many ways, like the immigrant story is about like, you know, taking that leap of faith, working really hard. And I think, you know, so many immigrants have actually been, you know, able to contribute to the American economy, building business. So it's something I think in some ways has, you know, been a part of, you know, what inspired me was seeing how hard my parents worked, you know, especially being in Silicon Valley, seeing how many immigrants were there. I think I just kind of realized, like, why was it that, like, women were just not a part of this? Why was it that people of color were not as prominent in that space? And, it definitely, you know, I think a core part of it in the way that, you know, my parents really cared about giving back to me and my sister is like, you know, how can we really make a difference to make it better for other people in the future so they don't have to work through as difficult times as we did or work as hard as we did. You know, I think every step of the way we should be uplifting people just because it was difficult for us doesn't mean it has to be difficult for someone else. And I think that's been a really core part to like Stefan's mission was I felt early on, you know, for women in particular, it's always been so difficult for us to even succeed in any space that I think there's always inherently been this competitive nature and the lack of women supporting women. But I think times have really changed. Like in my generation, we're really starting to see there's enough success for everyone. If something's going well, it just means that there's even more opportunity for there to be so much more for others. It's not a finite amount. It's just so interesting. Why do you think for so long we weren't given the same opportunities. Like, Why do you think that was? And what was that like growing up in Silicon Valley where you were just seeing all these, you know, amazing startups and investors and like no one looked like you or, you know, none of them were female. Like what was that like? And and why do you think that was the case? Yeah, I mean, it's honestly something I didn't really think so much about. It was like something I kind of just was like, this is the way life is, you know? And I think I really honestly i i have said this before but it's like growing up all my role models were men i never really questioned it i was like you know i'm so lucky to have these amazing mentors these amazing men who've done incredible things in their career that i would want for myself and for my friends and it wasn't until college that i was like that's so interesting because like you know they are all men and it's you know not to say that they should or can't be supportive of women but i think you really can't be what you can't see and it definitely you know maybe i would have you know 
taken more initiatives sooner or other women would have like seen themselves in certain careers sooner had they had more role models and a supportive system in place. But I think it's really something, you know, where I always think jewelry, the more I dive into it, is very much a historical marker of feminism in many ways. Like even if we go back to the origins of jewelry, understanding this, it's never actually really been about women as much as it is about us wearing it. Like for the longest time, you know, even engagement rings were a way to claim ownership on women. Mm -hmm. Jewelry was always something where all of these companies were created by men to market to men to purchase the jewelry for women. And now we're seeing, you know, emerging markets, I say in quotes, because I think this was always going to happen, but women are buying jewelry for themselves. They're buying it for other women. It is has always been, you know, a, a symbol of power, a symbol of status. But like, I think it's something, you know, that can also just be between women to women. And I think the more that we see women, you know, financially empowered, the more we're going to actually be seeing them purchasing jewelry. And I think it completely skews the market in a way that I think is hard for others to have predicted. And that's kind of why I actually think there's so much market opportunity for women to really be in commerce, to be in business, because ultimately we have so much buying power. We really do control the market to understand what other women want. I think some of it I definitely take for granted. I'm so lucky and fortunate that, you know, I grew up having so many of these rights. There's still so much more that we have to achieve. And I feel that's really what has driven me to want to, you know, start Chiffon and really like play my part in the story too. I just find this absolutely fascinating. I think the fact that you started this while you're still at college is such a cool thing, you know. So we hear a lot about the Mark Zuckerbergs and those that have started it from their Harvard dorm room. And when I was reading about your story, it actually sounds like quite similar, which is what's absolutely amazing about it. But I also think there are so many myths and there are so many, I guess, misconceptions of what it's like to start a company or a business. And especially when you're at college and, you know, funds are running low and you're just trying to get through your studies. Can you take us back to the mindset of your kind of first year at Harvard and then kind of the decision to start something of your own so young, you know, and, you know, for us women of color as well, it's, it's like another layer. So like, can you talk to us about those initial challenges you faced I guess, getting started? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge to get started is when you know so little, how do you begin? Like really at that age, what did I know about jewelry? What did I know about starting a business? And who could I have had as a mentor? Because it was just really not, you know, just my classmates. And I had to think beyond that. But I think the beauty in not knowing so much is sometimes you really think that you can do it. And maybe the people I surrounded myself with also thought I could because they didn't really have that much industry experience. But I think at the end of the day, it really came down to the women that supported us. You know, mentorship, I realized, you know, for me has always been a key part of my story in the sense that even when I was in high school in robotics, we had mentors. A lot of these grown-ups were actually teaching us how to like build the robot, understand different skills we needed. So it was something I kind of carried with me then being like, wow, like, you know, we built this robot. Like, you know, it's similar to that in that, you know, anything you can take on, like if you have people with wisdom, people who've gone through it before, you can really learn from what they know. So you don't have to start from the beginning. So I actually just sent a cold email to Sarah Slutsky, who was styling Emma Watson at the time. She was someone I really admired for her taste in jewelry, but also just the ethics behind how they were sourcing and developing the story around 
what she was wearing and who it was supporting. I sourced things from the supply chain to designing jewelry. And that was, you know, the biggest marker of success early on was having somebody that I really admire, really believe in me. And I think in addition to that, the other aspect I think is really important in building a business and not really knowing where to begin is like just being okay, making mistakes, pivoting. I think so much of the time we feel the sense to, you know, build out our path like others have, but it's so okay to like go through things our own way. And I think, you know, I'm, you know, I call myself the grandma of Gen Z and that like I'm a Gen Z, but I have a younger sister who's also Gen Z, much younger than me. And I feel like we do have different perspectives, but like it is so important for like, you know, my generation to understand the value of what we bring to the table. I think, you know, we are on the forefront of seeing big change. We will be a part of that change. And I think really leaning into what we believe in, even if it's something that we don't really see there. And from a capital standpoint, that was something I always like was struggling to grapple with in the sense that fine jewelry in particular is something where you do need some upfront capital to begin. I think a lot of times when businesses fail, it's not just because they don't have money. I think a lot of times mentorship, wisdom, connections, breaking through these barriers to entry are almost equally important. I think a lot of success stories we see, we see the innovation comes from like resourcefulness, comes from having scarcity of resources, but really being able to see how you can still get to point B. So I think in the times where we had like limited resources, we were actually able to innovate. And I think in many ways that, you know, really helped us come up with our signature design. We couldn't, you know, afford to just build a ton of products like everybody else. So really leaning into one that we felt was powerful and meaningful yet beautiful was really what we had to do. It's so, so interesting. I want to dive a bit deeper into your mindset at this time. You know, you're like young and you're like just trying to figure out who you are, what you're about, what you want to study. You know, I saw that you did computer science and I think also film and was it visual environmental studies or something along those lines. So kind of very different areas, you know, and at the same time you have this like burning desire to like start this business. So, you know, for our peers out there listening who perhaps they're in a similar place to where you were, or maybe they're at their first real job and they're feeling this kind of like uncertainty, confusion, and perhaps just like lack of clarity around what they actually want to do and build and where they want to go. What was that experience like for you? How did you navigate that time emotionally when you're still kind of growing up and figuring out who you are? I mean, we all are, but, you know, especially in those early days. And what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who are also struggling with that? Yeah, I mean, I think at this young age, you know, the world is our oyster, as they say it. I think we can really do anything. And I think it really comes down to what excites you. And sometimes that takes some time to figure out. I feel like I'm still young, so I'm still figuring it out myself. But I do think sometimes rather than trying to do so many things, you know, I think young people my age always feel the sense of FOMO. I've seen it, you know, I've experienced it. I've seen it with my friends as well. It's, you know, when we feel like, wow, we're going to miss out on all these amazing opportunities, yet we're in front of so much opportunity. So what I'm always telling myself is sometimes it's not about going and searching for more. It's about really taking time to be with yourself to reflect on what has already come to you. What is it that already excites you from what you've seen and how can you go deeper with that? Because I really do think if you go further enough to really understand what it is that you like, what you want to put effort into, you're going to start to find yourself a new path. And 
I think it's never success and, you know, following your dreams is never like an immediate thing that happens overnight. It takes much time, much pivoting. So I think sometimes it's just about beginning. And I think sometimes the stress that people my age have is that we spend so long to begin because we want to explore so many things or we feel so much pressure, but we don't really give something a chance. And that was something, you know, I've struggled with before. And when starting Chiffon, I just really lean into the fact that I was going to say no to other things, really focus on this one thing. I think the sense of mission really empowered me to really be disciplined and just focus on, you know, this one company and like, where could we take it? How could we make that impact? So that's something I'm always, you know, recommending to other people is, you know, find something, focus, stick to it. But also sometimes you don't really have to go look to what other people are doing. The best advice I've gotten is that sometimes look at what they're not doing because that really is, you know, the beginning of innovation and seeing where, where people aren't seeing opportunities where you can really be different. How can we get better at staying focused and diligent on the one thing when we live in a world that's just made to distract us? It's so hard. I know. So hard. Actually, in a (laughs) post-COVID world, like there are times where I just have to delete my social media apps, you know, and it's, it's unfortunately just something, you know, I think I've come to terms with, you know, like it's so hard to be disciplined sometimes on your phone and you're, you can convince yourself that you're doing it for work, you're justifying <laughs> it, however. But I think, you know, it is so important to kind of compartmentalize and I think just to be okay with your own journey and to just not compare yourself to others. And I think sometimes in this day and age, it's not even about comparing yourself to others as individuals. I think it's, you know, there's just so much in our face all the time that it's so easy to just be like, why are we not doing that? And these ads, these companies, they're so targeted. They really know what we're searching for. So I think oftentimes I just have to remind myself that, you know, sometimes you go on this journey and you think that you want one thing, what you end up finding is so much better, but you have to be very true to yourself. And I think you can easily get stuck in a path where you feel the need to multitask, to try to do so many things. And I think that's, totally fine if that's you know really what you are looking for but I think so much of the time I've seen that you know sometimes we just do that because we feel the need to keep up especially with the gig economy with all these opportunities I think multitasking being like all the hype it's just something where it's okay to take your time I think good things do take time and effort and you know the pressure to to always share what's happening or reach that next big moment it's, it's not really something you know you have to to justify or you're into words. And I've, I've definitely seen that Gen Z is definitely more impacted by this than maybe other generations. But I think that's why it's so important, you know, to really understand like what it is you're trying to attain in life, surround yourself with the people that really support you. And then I think to really build confidence and comfort in figuring things out your own way. And I think that's something with practice you can get better at. I'm still trying to do it myself. I'm absolutely loving this, but I want to talk a little bit about your own personal failures. You know, I think failure is, is a word, especially when we talk about entrepreneurship and success and all the big things, you know, it's something that we often kind of frown upon or, or look down on and, and we don't really want to talk about it and we push it to the side. You know, what has been a time in this journey that you felt like you've just really failed? And, you know, perhaps it was a personal thing that happened along the way or perhaps it was alignment with the business. Can you talk to us a little bit about your greatest failure? 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to like say greatest failure because I think there, I think when you're so young, sometimes something feels so big and you realize it's not. And I think that's the one challenge with really starting a business so early on. It's, you know, that something that's just a regular life experience can hit you so hard. And I've definitely experienced that myself. But even in the process of building Chiffon, you know, this is really something, you know, I, I started with, you know, other women, with my friends and, you know, before going back to school, like a lot of them just decided, you know, that they were going to quit because they want to focus on their studies, other things. And I think being such a young woman where I, you know, felt the need to, you know, constantly do something with someone else because it was hard to believe you could just do something, you know, without that support, it was really, really difficult. But I think even in those times, you you build a lot of character, you learn a lot about yourself. Like for me, I think it really gave me energy and time to really think about like, what do I want to make this company? What do we want to focus on? And I think, you know, sometimes it's it's out of your control, you know, what other people do. But I think when you're so young, that can that can just be, you know, a really difficult part of your experience. Like even in high school when I was in clubs or anything, I think it's always really difficult, you know, when you're working on something with people and you're such a young woman and, you know, different people in your team end up leaving. And I think um, it could easily turn into like, you know, a failure if you're not like learning from it and figuring out like what your next step is. But I think if you're really introspecting and figuring out what to do next to learn to be better, to to believe more in yourself, it can actually build a lot of strength. So I think a lot of things that, you know, could have been seen as failures, like even, you know, when we made products that didn't succeed or like, you know, I tried to make jewelry myself and that was, went totally south. You know, I think it really ultimately taught me a lot about the process. And I'm glad that, you know, I got my hands dirty, really tried to like understand things for myself. So I think in many ways, I think failure, I mean, our whole message is really about spiraling women upwards. And this really comes back to like spiraling up in general. And I think a lot of times spiraling is used to it's used you know in a negative way a lot of times to describe women like she's spiraling or whatever but i think you know historically like when we look back at the spiral as an art form and as a way of life it's really all honestly about always going upwards and i think you know as part of that journey you do have moments where you go south but if you don't have that you're never really going to learn like i think if everything played out in our heads the way that we wanted it to i don't think we would get to build as much character and have as much personal triumph. So I think in many ways, like all of the hardships, all of the failures, whether they're like personal, product-based, they're all like meant to really make us grow as people. So I think it, it's almost like how you handle it is just what's most important. So I think in many ways, it, it's something that I think is such an important journey. And part of being an entrepreneur is really pivoting, is really growing and taking that and sometimes making it your biggest strength too. I love that. How can we get better at spiraling upwards? I think, yeah, it's something I'm always grappling with myself. I think really, honestly, spiraling upwards is about like allowing yourself to be like, I think historically even like there has always been a spiral up where we've evolved, we've gone down, we've grown. And sometimes you need those journeys to remind yourself, you know, sometimes you might make the same mistake twice, you know, but it is really important, you know, for you to build that muscle memory to really grow from it and to get better at training yourself I think at the end of the day it really comes down to decision making and training yourself and I think in spiraling upwards it's really I think for me at least it's about you know surrounding myself with people that make me better you know that I think are there really for me that I want to be there for 
and being there for all aspects of each other's journey. That's why I think the culture of women supporting women is so important is because we can't just look at the upwards ending as a single point and a single achievement. I think it really is about self-growth. And I think to spiral upwards, we really have to like look deep within us and be okay that we may not reach the exact point that we thought we wanted to reach. But in that process, you know, if the journey is really beautiful and we've learned so much more or we've discovered more, built new friendships, I think that's all a part of the spiral upwards is really building that character, building that resilience. I absolutely love that you say that because I think so many of us, we see our failures, we see our flaws and we kind of see our our hiccups in life and mistakes as really like terrible things. And I think we then internalize that, especially as women, we internalize it a lot more. It only hurts us, but it's so natural for us to do, you know, I think when bad things happen, when things don't go to plan, we just think, oh, well, we've done, oh, I've done something wrong. Oh, goodness. Like, what could I have done? You know, has there been a time in this journey for you where you've just internalized it and you've just thought, oh, my goodness, I have done this wrong. I've stuffed this up. And now our company is, you know, not going to get to that next level or wherever it may have been, or we're not going to get that next deal with, you know, whoever the influencer or big star is. Has there been a time where that's happened for you? And and can you kind of walk us through how you got yourself out of that mentally? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like I was saying before, I think, you know, the one thing I think when you're like a teenager, you're in your early 20s, is I think you're so hard on yourself. Like in the same way in high school, when it comes to making friends, when like you think that someone's not happy, you know, and all you want to do is kind of facilitate a really positive culture and experience. I think... To, for me, I think I really had to understand that at my age, people, you know, have so many different dreams and, you know, a startup takes, you know, so much commitment to just let's focus on this one thing and to not take it personally when somebody wants something else in life, you know, in the sense that like, it's not like because of you, you know, that, you know, they're going and making a different decision. And I think that's so natural in companies. Like I never actually realized how, you know, common it was that, you know, People, you know, in building a team have like a huge process, you know, where they're constantly, you know, onboarding different people. The company itself is changing so much. And I think, you know, because this was my first time experience, I really built this from a Google search. I had no idea. It's not like a class where like, you know, if all of a sudden your like project partner leaves or like the curriculum changes, that's a big deal. But it's like in life, that's actually very normal. And I think in the startup, you really kind of guide your own course. So I think it was very important for me to really understand, you know, what is it that's like important to me and like, you know, what is going to make me a better person. I think what's actually really beautiful about a startup to begin with, which took me some time to really understand is it's a great journey of self-improvement because you're constantly introspecting and you're constantly understanding what you're good at, understanding what you're not good at, but you have to improve what you're not good at and you have to sharpen what you're good at. So I think in many ways, I'm always at every step of the journey really, you know, finding my own spiral up because I'm really calibrating myself to improve. And I think a huge part of what has really gotten me through all of these hardships has been my mentors. I think, you know, especially because most people my age, like I didn't even have a real job in the real world apart from internships at the time that I started this. So I was, you know, as much as I could go to my friends for advice, it was so impactful to go to women who have been through the same situations before and to really hear from them. And I think 
you know, when you're in such a low point to know that it's okay, but to have concrete wisdom, concrete support of what can you do next, I think is really powerful. And that was something I had not experienced before. But I think when you have that level of support and that level of other women that are actually truly saying they're there for you, but doing the work and giving you that advice, you know, helping you find yourself in those moments. I think that's really what like offers you. And I think you know, we want to do that for other companies, for other founders too. I think it really is this chain reaction and this way of paying it forward. That's really two ways because in the same way I've been given that support, like I feel like, you know, if another woman is going through the same thing, you know, I would be able to support her too. And sometimes, you know, it just takes one person to really believe in you, to support you and guide you through those moments for you to realize, you know, you were resilient. But I think sometimes other women and other people can see your strength when you can't. And I think women, like you said, sometimes we're so hard on ourselves that like, it's not worth, you know, being that harsh on ourselves when we have also done so much good work. I think sometimes it's so easy to dismiss, you know, the things we've done well and really reflect on, you know, what didn't go well. And those things are always going to happen. And I think that is what maybe is sometimes a little bit different about how women are as founders and business leaders than men. I think, you know, sometimes I'm always like, oh, like I'm always like really thinking about, you know, my feelings and other women's feelings in a way where it's not just business. It's not just about reaching our next goal. And I think, you know, we, we are so conscious of other people's feelings that sometimes when something's really difficult, it can really like, you know, affect us in a much deeper way. And I think to really you know, understand our minds and how we work and, you know, work in the other, in the company of other women can really make a huge difference. I just could not agree more. You guys can't see me, but I've been furiously nodding my head at Chopa as she speaks. I absolutely love it. I want to talk a little bit about mentors and finding the right mentors and having that, those people that believe in you, perhaps even when you don't have the strength or the courage to believe in yourself. You know, you mentioned that at the beginning you had this one mentor that you reached out to that dressed um, Emma Watson and you said that she ended up helping you do all of the kind of basic foundational work for your business, which is so incredible to hear. But what happens when the mentor that we really want doesn't respond to us? They don't respond to our email. They don't get back to us. They're so busy. You know, I mean, even for myself, I remember starting the podcast years ago now and, you know, getting no responses for ages. You know, people being like, who is this random Australian chick like hitting me up? What? You know, and how do we seek out the right mentors and actually not get discouraged when perhaps they don't respond? How do we navigate that? Yeah, I know. I think it's so hard sometimes to figure out who the right mentors are to really figure out how do I approach them. And I think sometimes I maybe make it seem easy because we have a mentor board. I have so many incredible women that have supported me. But I mean, it was not easy at the beginning. Like even when I think back to Sarah, I think I, I mean, we always joke that I very cutely stalked her um, because I did like comment. I mean, Instagram wasn't as big then as it was now, but I did like comment on her like pictures. I don't even know if DMing was a thing back then, but I definitely commented. I added her on LinkedIn. I don't think she replied. I like found out what company she was working at and got her email somehow. And then finally, like I think after a month of emailing her, I followed up and she replied and said she would take a phone call. But I think it was definitely a lot of persistence. But I think sometimes, you know, if you can get that early phone call or response, it definitely means at least they're like seeing what you're presenting. But I think so so much of it is that, you know, they want to know that you actually took the time to understand what it is that they're doing. You know, 
what is it that you really want their support in? And I think with all of our mentorships, we're we're so intentional from the mentee perspective where I'm the mentee of like, what is it that we want to learn? And I think it's impossible to just have, I mean, you could just have one mentor. So I don't want to say it's impossible, but like, I think depending on what you want to do, I think there's so many people that you can learn from. I think you can have many different mentors, for many different things. And I think what I've learned over time is, is mentorship is also such a two-way street. Like as a mentee, I've always felt so grateful for the women in my life, the women who really put me forward for opportunities, took the time to teach me to go through these really dark moments, you know, where I was just having life experience and maybe they've gone through it themselves. I think I'm always thinking about, you know, how can I support my mentors too? And it's something where now that we are mentoring other women, it's it's so cool for me. Like even, you know, from like team perspective, like I am learning so much from like, you know, our interns and other young women. And I feel like, you know, our mentors are learning so much from us too. I think knowledge and learning never stops. And I think it is very cyclic in that at this moment when I wanted to start the company, I didn't know anything about fashion. I didn't know anything about how to really build my business and to really, you know, get it off in the right foot. But Sarah did. But at the same time, I think there's so much that, you know, is on the other end where like my generation has access to like a new school of thought, a new sense of like, what is the consumer looking for now? What is it that we value now? And in many ways, we embody, you know, what other people like us are, are searching for. And that's information we carry that we can bring to the table to other people who are already, you know, at higher level positions within the industry. And they may not, you know, be able to talk to people like us. So I think it is something that I think there always has to be that kind of feedback loop um, in learning. And I think if you're looking for your first mentor, I think it's really about, you know, making that pitch. And I think, you know, there are definitely, you know, women I really looked up to where I wasn't able to get them to mentor me because they're so busy. And I think, you know, don't take it so personally because, you know, mentorship is also about, you know, the time that you're able to spend with each other, really nurturing that relationship. And I think until you really get to meet your mentor and you build that relationship meeting after meeting, it's hard to say what it can really be. And I think so much of it is that just because something doesn't happen right now doesn't mean it can't happen a year later or two years later. And I've definitely seen things where I've sent an email back in 2017 and then met the person in like 2019 and it really worked out. But like they sometimes didn't even know I sent them an email in 2017. So I think um, just being really focused on, you know, what it is that you want to learn and, you know, the timing will work itself out. I feel like the universe is always trying to to make things happen in our favor we just have to let it oh we just have to let it and let it you did oh my goodness you've literally over the last four years had some incredible public figures wear your jewelry and i'm just going to mention it for all of our amazing peers out there listening michelle obama serena williams and nicole kidman just to name a few can you talk to us a little bit about shilpa how you even managed to make that happen. You know, it's one thing to send off a LinkedIn DM to, you know, an amazing CEO. And there's another thing to hit up Serena Williams. Could you talk to us a little bit about that process? What did it entail and how did you make that happen? Yeah, I mean, sometimes these moments are so out of our control, but all we can do is put our energy out there and let the universe do its magic. But I mean, I literally wear these rings all the time and my friends do too. And it's it's funny because like, I think with a normal like startup pitch or whatever, you really, it takes so much more time to really get that out there. And I'm not sure if people notice that I talk quickly by the way I talk now. I'm obviously 
putting effort to try to talk slower, but I do talk pretty fast usually. And I can pitch in like 20, 30 seconds. I'll wear the rings and my friends will. And sometimes that's just how we meet people, how we sell the rings, how we told people the story and people just really resonated with it. I think, especially at the time we were doing it. Now I see there are so many more organizations and groups and nonprofits working, you know, to bring women together, to really take a stand, you know, in favor of what is fair to women. But I think especially when we started this, there were a lot, there was a lot less of that, which, you know, was unfortunate. And I think, you know, even now it's like, it really fits, you know, the time of what is happening, but this has always been something that we've really cared about. And I think people really understood how authentic it was. And sometimes it was through, you know, Sarah, through the stylist that, you know, we were able to get a message across. Sometimes friends of mine were literally there with Serena Williams and able to like tell her about this ring and, you know, or we were at the Oscars last year at the Women in Film party and Idina Menzel went on stage and talked about it with Kathy Schulman, who's an Oscar winner. And, you know, we were freaking out. Like nobody knew that we made those rings. And I was just in the audience hearing people being like, I want to buy them. We just like ran around the whole room and we're like, we made them. We're here. You can buy them. This is what they do. And then the next day at the Oscars, like so many women were wearing it. And I think it's just about like come with a purse full of rings and we have no expectations. And um, I mean, even when the ring was one of the Emmys, like, I don't even think we really had inventory back then. It was just, you know, very much like, oh, wow, like it happened. Now, what should we do? And I think that's really been a part of our story is that it's been so organic. And we've really noticed this is something women were, were searching for is not just something that's beautiful, but something that is going to be historic, going to be impactful. And while it seems so small now, and we're just doing this out of our dorm room, I think it's not really about the scale. It's not really about just how much you're donating. It's really about the vision of what you want to do because women are going to grow. We are going to become more successful with time. But I think it's so important that we begin our journey knowing exactly how we want to make an impact and, you know, constantly every step of the way, really figure out how we can do even better at that. I just absolutely love it, Shilpa. And I think the fact that, you know, your mates or you are just pitching Serena Williams when she's just like probably hitting, you know, the ball or something in like 30 seconds is insanely amazing. And a question I've got for you as we start to wrap up is how do we gain the courage to think as big as you and your team do? I think, honestly, I think it's just about like unlocking yourself. I think if you can become the best version of yourself, you will be where you have to be in life. And I think sometimes there's all this pressure to like think big, do what other people are doing. And I think it can hold us back. And I think sometimes I've been, like I said, you know, my mentors, my girlfriends, it's it's so important because I think having other women, you know, really see the light in you and be like, we want to see you shine. We want you to like really be yourself is so important. And you know, I had, you know, other girls on my team, like even with the Serena moment, Jenny Wang was, you know, there and she was just like, oh, sure, we can just take these rings and like tell people our story. Like Serena is incredible. She's invested in so many incredible companies through her VC fund. And I think, you know, having the courage where the other women see something in you and they want it to be noticed even more is I think so powerful. And I think once you really get to be like the fullest expression of yourself, you you kind of just come onto this path where, you know, there's nothing that you can't do once you really set your mind to it. And even if you don't get exactly there, you're going to find something better. And I think that's, you know, something I'm always trying to kind of guide myself there. And even like my friends there, I think we, we all kind of see that like, just because there doesn't exist what we want, we can go and create it. And I think, you know, whether it's small or whether it's big, I think, you know, to just do it very, 
with an earnest and true heart is so important. I think there's that one quote that I love by Mother Teresa, and I'm, I'm completely going to butcher it, unfortunately. But I think it was something along the lines of like, even if you do something small, like to do it with, you know, a lot of integrity, a lot of care, you know, is just so much more important than just, you know, doing something bigger. Or at least that was the sentiment and my takeaway from it. So amazing and so powerful. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Shilpa, for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, for showing us, you know, and particularly us women of colour and us females out there, young females out there, that if we have this vision, if we have something we genuinely care about, we can act on it, we can turn it into a business and it can work out for us, even if it is taking one small step at a time. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about is that you're going to have so much fun in the process of doing it. I think in life, there are so many ways to quote unquote be successful, to make money and to get by. And I think at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you can't reach your full potential in my mind. I think you really have to pursue something that you believe in. And I think passion will lead you on a journey that's really fulfilling. So that's why for me, I, I think it's so important when you love something or you're really interested in pursuing it further to just to just go for it. Because even if you don't know how to make it successful then, if you spend enough time, if you're excited enough about it, you're taking the right wisdom and the right steps to surround yourself with the right people, you'll get there. And then once you have the success and the growth, it will be something that, you know, you continue to enjoy. Oh, I love it. Shilpa. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been so awesome to have you. We've had an absolute blast. Where can we learn more about you and Chiffon? Yes. I mean, I have social media. I am Shilpa Y um, on Instagram and Shilpa CY on Twitter and chiffonco.com s-h-i-f-f-o-n-c-o.com is our website amazing we'll link them up in the show notes thank you so much again it's been so amazing shilpa thank you of course and for everyone else listening we will end with that thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the peers to peers podcast powered by shopify remember peers We're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.